Jesus stood among them and said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands, reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. I'm Kara Cardell. And I'm Fred Schellebarger. And you're listening to My Lord and My God, Encountering Christ in the Eucharist. Who am I that God would create me? Who am I that God would even think about me? Who am I that he would want to become like me? And who am I that he would want to save me? Who am I that he would even want to enter into my very body through the, the Holy Spirit and through the Eucharist? Who am I that he invites me into heaven with him? These are all thoughts that I've had at many points in my life, just kind of the the why me element. And, you know, we see ourselves as lowly. We are. We are lowly in comparison to God. And so to think like, really, that the God of the universe, like, why does he care about me? Why would he do all of this for me? And maybe you've had some of these thoughts too. Uh, but the next two episodes, have you ever had those, Fred? Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah. Kara, how you've started this episode is, it's scripture. It comes from Psalm 8, actually. What is man? Thank you. Yes. I yeah. was literally trying to find that scripture Yeah, as, as soon as you started, the very first line, I was like, I, I've been in this mood where like, uh, like scripture like all these scriptures just keep coming t- together i don't know if lucky it's, you I'm just run <laughs> riding high off the high of a recent confession or what it is but uh what is man that you are mindful of him the son of man that you would visit him for you have made him lower than the angels and you have crowned him with glory and honor and it goes on to yeah. continue like the same kind of thoughts that you have but yeah. that that is the question in the Eucharist. we're talking about the eucharist obviously Mm-hmm. But all the more, what is man that you'd be mi- that mindful of him? Yeah. To the point of his love is literally what holds us together. Yeah. I didn't put that in there, but like he, he, the creator of the universe is constantly thinking about you. And if he weren't, we wouldn't be here. Right. And who who are we to warrant that, that kind of love and that yeah. kind of thought? Yeah. Um. So the next two episodes, Fred and I have decided to take up the topic of humility Um, This is a show about the Eucharist, so what does humility (laughs) have to do with the Eucharist? Well, this first episode, it's we're going to kind of focus on not our call um, to be humble, which is true and is all over scripture. That's going to be the next episode, but really God as the model for um, everything that we're meant to be, but especially in his own humility. So in in your mind, Fred, like, how does this connect? What does humility have to do with the Eucharist? Well, the first thing that came to mind as I was reading that scripture and as you were starting with your introduction to this episode, the idea that, again, once again, who am I that the creator of all the universe, body, blood, soul, and divinity would become bread for me to eat Yeah, for my spiritual nourishment, for my good? That just that boggles my mind that I would get to be a tabernacle of the Lord. Who am I? And even to the level that like he would even allow himself to dwell in, in human beings. Like that was the whole concept behind the fall. Right. Was the, like the angels, a third of the angels were like, absolutely not. I'm not going to help human beings to get to heaven, you know, 
But God himself, who is above the angels, is like, I am not only going to help them, I am going to enter into their body. Yeah, I mean, that, according to our tradition and many great saints, that is the very thing that caused Satan and that one-third of the angels to fall was a refusal to accept the scandal of the incarnation that God would become a lower being in his Mm -hmm. humility. Uh, That's Yeah, and yet here we are. It's exactly what we're talking about. We both know, like... We're all called to be humble. I think it's a struggle of every person. It's not a struggle uh, for me. I'm proud of my humility, Kara. Yes, you are so <laughs> humble. Not an ounce of pride within you. Just like Moses, uh, for I'm, the, I'm the most humble person in all the world. <laughs> for the rest of us, right. Fred, who are you know lower than you, we struggle. Yeah. <laughs> um, humility is, is difficult. But... Um, I thought it was important to start before going into an episode on like our call to humility and how that relates to the Eucharist with God's example. And I kind of honestly struggled with this for, for like just a second. Um, Is God humble? And I was like doing this almost like mental gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Um, It's kind of embarrassing, like what the (laughs) thoughts were. And I was like, but is he humble? But is he, but what about this? And so I looked up, uh, I looked up the meaning of the word humble and there are a million out there, honestly. Mm -hmm. But um, one of the very first results that popped up, it said, uh, humility is a low view of one's own importance. And I was like, that's not God. Um, no, yeah, and I don't think that fits. I don't either. Thank yeah. you. And so I, when I was reading that, I was like, first of all, that's I don't think that's what humility is. But second, this is not God because God cannot have a low view of himself right. and his yeah. own importance because he knows fully, like, I'm important. I'm the creator of the world. I'm <laughs> right. God. Yeah. Um, so I didn't agree with that one. And then I was like, well, let's just go to the, the church's source. So I went to the catechism and the catechism defined humility as the virtue, which of course it's a virtue, the virtue by which a Christian acknowledges that God is the author of all good. So this is kind of what like, like spun me into this mental gymnastics. I was like, wait a second. So it's a virtue where we acknowledge that God is the author of good, all good, but God already knows that. Does he have to acknowledge that? So is he therefore humble? But wait, God also is completely perfect and possesses all of the virtues. And if this is a virtue, then of course he has it. Like I just was going, (laughs) going through like all of these, is he really humble? Is he, you know, all of these different things. And, um, I don't have a scholarly theological answer. That's the beauty of two faulty human beings bringing you this podcast. Um, but here's what I kind of ended with. I, I ended with Jesus is both God and man. And in the scripture passage, it's referred to as uh, the kenosis, which I'm sure we're going to read here in a moment. But it's from Philippians. And it literally says, being in human form, he humbled himself. Hmm. So I kind of made, I, this is what I landed on. And you can correct me if, if you think something different, Fred. And that's totally okay. Because like I said, it's, this isn't a scholarly answer. <laughs> Um, but it doesn't always kinda... need to be a scholarly answer though, Kara. Like, I like know, as I you know. say this, like uh, maybe we'll come back to it or maybe it'll be in the next episode. Like the first chapter of imitation of Christ is really coming to mind 
big time. Oh, I love here. that one. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyways, I didn't mean to interrupt, but no. I, well, let's let's clarify. That one is all about the intellectual, and it's like you know, God gifts you wisdom. What good is all of this right. uh, knowledge if it doesn't gain you know eternal yeah. all this stuff? So yeah, and, yeah that's and, what that was about. And what good is it if you can theologically define define the Trinity if you have no relationship with the Trinity? And so yeah. I, that's true humility is, is is understanding that. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful. I have it here handy too because I happen to be reading it for Lind. I know, I literally just pulled it out. To be learned and able to discuss the Trinity will get you nowhere if you do not have humility and therefore displease the Holy Trinity. Lofty words neither save you nor make you a saint. Perfect. Only, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I will not give you my lofty words. So... <laughs> I'm giving you a pass, in other words. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I hope that extends to everyone listening. Yes. Um, so basically, like that was kind of my my conclusion was, okay, Jesus is both God and man. So in his divinity, perhaps humble is not the right word um, because he doesn't have to recognize God is the author of all things because in his divine nature, he's fully aware of that. And, and he, he, is, yeah. he is said author. Mm-hmm. Um, but in his human nature... He humbles himself. He and there are examples of him humbling himself. Uh, you know, in in agony in the garden. Please let this cup pass from me. In his human nature, he's afraid of what's coming. He knows it's going to hurt, but he's but he says, "Thy will be done." Like he's still acknowledging God as the author of what's to come. So, in his human nature, um, he still is humble. But Jesus is God, so he is still that example of. God's love and humility that we are supposed to be. So that's kind of, that was kind of like the result of my mental gymnastics. And mm. yeah, so I, he's still our model. Like he still loves us so greatly and has that um, humble example for us in the person of Christ. Yeah. Kara, one thing that stands out to me and that I think there's an aspect of humility that sometimes we overlook, but we see it in the life of Christ. We see it in God himself's example of this in in that true humility is knowing who you are mm-hmm. is knowing who you are and who be, who knows themselves better than God himself right right like right. you know it's knowing who you are but not needing to prove yourself not needing to lord it over anyone um mm-hmm. you know you're not Jesus was born God himself, the creator of all the universe, was born in a humble stable. No doubt there were, you know, animal filth and everything else probably yeah. around. Yeah. And and at no point do we find anyone saying, do you know who this is? You know, this is he right. deserves better. I mean, right. yes, he does deserve better. But even Mary and Joseph, you know, when they were f- trying to find room for him and they could find none. There wasn't this 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 plea. As you're saying, you know, humility is like being comfortable with who you are. The litany of humility came to my mind because um, it says, you know, from a desire of being loved, deliver me, Jesus. From a desire of being mm-hmm. extolled, deliver me, Jesus. And um, I think, you know, this maybe is getting into what we're going to talk about in the next episode of our own personal humility. But I think sometimes it's easy when all of these things don't happen. Like if I'm unloved, if I'm not being extolled, if I'm not honored, if I'm not praised, if people aren't consulting me, all these things, then it can start to like wear on 
somebody's confidence, mm-hmm. right? So then we o- almost overcompensate with being overly confident or perhaps coming off prideful. Whereas I, I see like when you're saying, you know, God is completely comfortable in who he is because he's God and he knows exactly what his identity is. I think um, when we are truly humble, those things don't rattle us. Right. Like yeah. if we feel like almost like our identity is, a, is being attacked or somebody's not appreciating who we are, it's okay. Like right. we're like, yeah. I'm a, I, I'm okay yeah. with that. I'm a child of God. And like, God has exactly that. He's like, I know who I am. Yeah. <laughs> um, yep. yeah. Th- that's exactly what, yeah, it's exactly what I mean, Kara, that like being in his example of even being baptized into the baptism of what the baptism of a sinner. Right? right. What does he say? So all righteousness could be f- fulfilled. There's not a part in him that's worried about, oh, they're going to think I'm a sinner because I'm getting this sinner's baptism. But if, if yeah. we, in our human experience, we absolutely do that. We yeah. worry about what other people think think when we, we do something holy and, and good that we, we should, you know, that's pride. <laughs> that's the opposite right. of humility. When we're afraid for other people to see us praying, because, you know, when we're afraid for other people to see us reading the scriptures or whatever, there's yeah. an element of pride in there. That's not true humility. Right. I really, um, I want to read um, Philippians 2 because some of this too, as you're just going through Jesus's life, uh, you know, being born in a manger and, and the baptism. I'm skipping I'm ahead. Like, I'm definitely skipping ahead. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> no, no, no. As you're going through that, it's like... Okay, it's not even what is just said in Philippians 2. It's literally his entire life it is, is, um, his is, entire is life. Yeah. humility. So Absolutely. I want to read the passage and then I like I want to talk about his whole life because it's not just like this, what's in the this passage. It's one of my favorite. <laughs> if you've ever wondered what my favorite scripture passage is, it's Philippians. There we go. The just whole book. the whole book? Yes, the whole, the book. whole book. Okay. <laughs> so here we go. Okay, I'm ready. so so um in Philippians 2, this is often called the kenosis. Um, So I'll read it and kind of explain why. It says, Jesus Christ, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Mm-hmm. So the uh, kenosis means self-emptying. So it says, you know, Jesus emptied himself. So this is really like what I was, was I was, you know, mentally not struggling with, but like how I came to the conclusion that really God is humble in the example of, of Jesus Christ, who is God. It says he empties himself taking the form of a slave. He became man. He did not have to, but he did to save us. Right. Like it goes back to how we started. Who are we that yeah. God would yeah. become yeah. man it, it so is, that we could be in heaven with him? Yeah, it is the fact that he, God himself chose to become man to take on our filth yeah. to save yeah. us. You know, this is probably, I think it's Paul. He says he became like us in all things but sin. Right, right. All and, things. You know, there's the... It's a little dated reference now, but Will Smith, after punching Chris Rock, what did he say? Love makes you do crazy things. Well, Will Smith gives us a bad example. Christ gives us the (laughs) ultimate example. And I think that's exactly why right before the verse you read, it says, do nothing from selfish conceit, but in humility, count others better than yourself. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And he gives us that example of what humility 
looks like. We'll talk more about that in the following episode, obviously. But No, I like that because it's saying think less of yourself and more of others like Christ. It literally exactly. says have yeah. have the mind of Christ. So he's like, I'm doing this. This yeah. is exactly what I'm doing and, and I need you to follow me. Right. I mean, the God of the universe made himself dependent upon mankind. Yeah. He needed his diaper changed. <laughs> yeah. Know? Right. He, he, he needed to be born of a woman. Right. He had to be taught. He learned how to walk. All these things, mm-hmm. um, you know, he grew in wisdom and stature. That's what it's getting at. That yeah. Jesus growing in wisdom and stature is in itself humility. Right. And I, and I think like, it's not just the scripture passage, these couple verses that are like, oh yeah, it, there's humility there because he became man. It's exactly how you were explaining it, Fred, too. It's his whole life. It's the fact that he was baptized when he didn't need to be baptized because he had no sin. It's his very birth, like nowhere Nazareth to a poor family in a, a essentially a barn and laid in a feeding trough. Like all of these really simple, humble life experiences or life um, just stuff, like the things of life, mm-hmm. they're insignificant and unimportant. But when you make it the God of the universe, like he elevates those things. Mm. So I feel like throughout his whole life and, and like even his death, right? The cross is like, I mean, allow yourself to be humbled there for a moment. Right. Paul says it's um, a folly for Jews and a stumbling block. No, it's a folly for Gentiles and a stumbling block for Jews. Why is his death that? Why is it hard for Gentiles to convert? Right. And why is it hard for Jews to, to believe in that? Because, their savior allowed the allowed himself to be crucified, like the gruesomest form of death. Yeah. That is humility. Yeah. Like he he knew that that would happen and he still wanted to do that for us. And Kara, not only the most gruesome kind of death, but if we're honest, I think we we kind of have a sanitized view of the crucifixion. We do. I think one hundred percent. It's also the most embarrassing yes. form of death. Um like he was stripped down. He was completely naked on the yeah. cross. Yeah. We always see he's covered in the cloth and Obviously, that's for, you know, of course, obvious reasons, but he was completely naked. Yeah. Bare. And bruised and, and bruised. bloody. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, nothing could be more humiliating than that, you know? Right. Yeah. I think to in the resurrection, he didn't gloat, you know, and in our human <laughs> nature, I feel like if this was me. This is this is clearly why I'm not God. It may be not that we know I, of. It's I, not in scripture I, that he gloated. Right, right. I don't mean this to be irreverent, but I feel like if I was Jesus, I would come back and be like, "See, I tried to tell you, and you right. didn't listen." Like three days, uh, I told you so. You know, <laughs> yeah. But you yeah. don't find that. Instead, you find a humble Jesus, a humble Jesus, yeah. like we find in scripture. God is love. We read that love is patient. Love is kind. It is not boastful. It does not insist on its own way. It's not resentful, right? That's Jesus. Right. That's the example of we when we see him come back in humility, the resurrection, the same people that stripped him of his clothes. He was laid bare, naked on the cross for them. He comes mm-hmm. right back to them, you know? It's, yeah. That's humility. That is humility. So what does all this have to do with the Eucharist? Because... In reading Philippians 2, 
I just feel I just wish they t- like would take it further. And I know it's, you know, it's divine revelation. The Holy Spirit did exactly what he was supposed to. But, you know, right. little old Kara here. I'm like, you should have added this little point. Um, he empties himself, taking the form of a slave. He humbles himself to die on the cross and be obedient to to the will of the father. But not only did he humble himself to be man, he humbles himself every single day at mass. Every single day at daily mass, the God of the universe takes the form of bread. We're like over here in awe that why would he why would he become like us? Why would the God of the universe become like us? He becomes bread. Right. That's right. that's even just crazier. And that's what the like that's the example of humility. That's what it has to do with the Eucharist. A, a God so humble and so loving that he would become bread is just like crazy but true (laughs) you know it's like how can we can't even think of that we can't fathom that the fact that he would allow himself to be received in the in our mouths the fact that he would allow himself to be stored away in a tabernacle forgotten oftentimes you know how often do we run errands and we drive past a catholic church and and don't even give a second thought not Mm -hmm. even a first thought let alone a second glance right Usually this is a new habit, but you know, when we pass a church, um, uh, my kids will- I was just going to will... brag on you for this, Kara, because I think it's awesome. <laughs> but I'll let you brag you sh- on yourself because you're so humble. <laughs> <laughs> um, sorry. I hope everyone knows we're joking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like when we pass a church, this is a, definitely a new habit. And I think my kids actually have helped to make sure like we're accountable with it. Whenever we would pass a church and my kids were young, um, we would t- say like, you know, where does Jesus live? And trying to teach them like he lives in their heart and he lives in that tabernacle that we just passed. And now as they're getting older, they do it and they're like, hi, Jesus. And they yell as we pass a church or we do the sign sign of the cross. Yeah. 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 Or we do the sign of the cross, just remembering like our savior lives there. And Mm. even if we don't get to go in and see him every single time we pass, like let's at least acknowledge that he's there. But how humble, how humble is his love? Right. That even if we forget he's in there, even if we don't run to daily mass to receive him, like he still gifts himself to us, gifts mm-hmm. himself to us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's how he's with us through the end of the age, just like he promised he would be. Yeah, you exactly. Know? When I say that's how he gifts himself to us, it kind of sounds like it gives. I'm saying gift, like a present. Mm-hmm. That's how he that's how he mm-hmm. gifts himself to us. And um, when I went to um, Catechesis of the Good Shepherd training, we had it over the, the course of three months. And one of the teachings, and I think it was Sophia Cavaletti. I don't think it was Maria Montessori's teaching. I think it was Sophia Cavaletti, but I might be wrong. And that's totally fine. Um, but they have this beautiful teaching. And if I can just invite you to be visual for a second, it's it's um, the graphic that they use is two triangles and the one on top is upside down. So the two points are meeting each other. Almost so it kind of like looks an like an hourglass. Like an hourglass. Yes. It looks like an hourglass. And basically the concept is like that top uh, triangle is coming from the heavens. And these are all of the different things that God has given us to use. These are his gifts to us, his His presence to us. And our use of them is like us loving back. And then the bottom triangle is exactly that. Like what are the things that we give back to him? Because we're imperfect. 
So we can't give him um, perfect gifts like he gives us. So what are the things that we're giving back to him? And so, you know, in the top pyramid, it's very basic things. It's, you know, he gives us the mineral world, like the things that we build with, bricks, um, you know, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not going to sit here and list off a bunch of things, but he gives us like <laughs> the min- he gives us the mineral world and then it keeps going down. He gives us plants that give us oxygen, that give us food, that give us enjoyment, medicine, all these things. He gives us animals, which back in the day were transportation. Um, we used for work, we eat. He gifts us people. Bacon um, for, is definitely a gift. Sorry, I bacon, had to throw that oh, out there. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Um, he gives us people who are for friendship and love and companionship. And then the last thing that he gifts us is Jesus, is himself. He gifts us Jesus. And then, so if you're picturing this, that's the upside down triangle. And then the the triangle that we give back to him, that we lift up to heaven is we give ourselves in our daily life. We mm. give him prayer. We give him worship. And the highest form of what we can give him is the Eucharist. So if you're imagining the two points in the center meeting, God gives us the greatest gift in Jesus, and we give back the greatest gift in the Eucharist. And those are where the points meet. So the mm. Eucharist is literally like the height of God's gift to us to use and like when we use it, and I don't mean use as like the opposite of love is use. I mean like we enjoy it. We We're are meant to. By it. Exactly. Exactly. And so when we receive the Eucharist, like that's God's greatest gift of humility and where it meets like his gift and our our acceptance of that that gift. Like that's love right there is that center where those points meet. That's love. So that's what humility has to do with the Eucharist. It has everything to do with the Eucharist. <laughs> that's beautiful, Kara. Source and summit. I, yes, Source I love summit. that. Yeah. When when they did that teaching, I was seriously like, oh my goodness, this is like everything. This is gorgeous. You know, just the understanding of it. Yeah. That is absolutely beautiful. Kara, that's going to stick with me, I think, uh, well <laughs> into the next episode where we yeah. will continue to this discussion on humility. Really, we're just going to kind of back up in Philippians 2 there and really look at, let each look not only on his own interests, but also on the interests of others. Have the mind among yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. We'll look at that. How do What does humility mean for us? How do we follow Christ? example of humility and building on that beautiful analogy you just gave what does it have to do with the eucharist <laughs>